It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast and this is the Pro 14 pre-season launch edition. William Davies and myself went up to the Aviva Stadium yesterday and um, it, was, it was quite impressive, William. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting day. It was a much, uh, had a much bigger feel than last year and I suppose there's a different story to tell uh, this forthcoming season with the South African teams coming in. So there was it was quite an intense day. There was started at ten past nine, finished about half three. Um, basically, you we were all corralled in a very very large room at a table uh, for online, and then there's daily papers and Sunday papers and different setups and players and CEOs and coaches from all fourteen teams are just marched round in sequence. And uh, you get to fire questions at them and see if you can learn anything. Yeah, you get about ten minutes, you know, per per question. Some lasted a little bit longer than others, but um, it, it certainly was interesting. And we had we had we had some uh, some nice bits of audio that we're going to share with everybody during this during the podcast. Um, but I suppose we're going to start off with the actual the press conference. Yeah, the press conference, um, which actually came in the middle of it, but we're going to start with it. Um, and the first person we're going to hear with, hear from, is Gerald Davis, who is the chairman of the Pro, now Pro 14, and his remarks. And then we're going to hear a little bit from Martin and I, who is the CEO. And they kind of set the scene and explain why this decision was made and um, what they're expecting going forward. extraordinary development, an historical development in the world of rugby is what we are celebrating today and very much looking forward to what is happening over the next eight months. So that we've known that Ireland, Scotland, Wales and Italy have played against each other before and now we welcome, of course, South Africa. We'd like to think that and the Pro 12 and it will continue the Pro 14, that the championship and the players and the teams and the coaches that are part of it play smart, clever, good and imaginative rugby. And I'd like to think, as they have shown themselves in the past, that South Africa will bring their style and creative rugby to us here. We look forward very much to that in, in the future. It is, in the past, been a cross-border competition. It's a cross-hemisphere. Now, it may mean something to some of you, a lot to some of you, or nothing to any of you. But I'd like to think that what I've read and what I've heard so far, people have been talking about the risk factor, the risk that applies to us showing this boldness of ambition. But I ask you, of all of us in this room, those who have had ambition, those who have wanted to create something new, to have a new venture, how many of you in those circumstances, journalists, broadcasters, businessmen, coaches, players, who've thought of that risk? But if you consider the risk, you wouldn't do anything at any stage. A coach might introduce a new skill, a new move, a new tactic. The point then is, the some coaches say we won't do that. It is too risky. 
And we, people are saying that we are extending a risk to our championship. The question though is, do you eliminate the challenge? Do you eliminate the skill? Or do you eliminate the risk? And I think the role of the coach in those circumstances is not to eliminate the skill, but to eliminate the risk by refining the skill in the same way that we are now accepting a challenge. So we can look forward, ladies and gentlemen, to a very exciting period ahead. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, I think the, the uh, Southern Hemisphere versus Northern Hemisphere thing is, is the thing that's capturing their imagination. Um, actually, the two teams that, that we brought in play a very attractive uh, type of rugby. It suits our championship, as Gerald said. Um, and, and so I think that's captured the imagination. I think the idea that our teams, some great names of the world game, are going to be travelling to those shores as a touring party for the first time ever um, has reinvigorated the South African sort of passion for the game. Um, not saying it's flagging at all, but uh, it's just certainly given it a, a kick in the arm. Um, and that was very apparent from my trip down. was um, Gerald Davies and Martin and I and, and we'll have a bit more from Martin and I you, you got a, a, a slightly longer conversation with him later in the day we, we'll keep that for a later podcast yeah I think uh, it, it's worth listening this uh, chap was brought in to do a job and the, the job I think was in some ways to rescue pro rugby or Celtic rugby as, it, uh, as the holding company are called to try to get them moving forward I think there was no doubt that the, the rugby unions involved, and I, I think particularly driven by the IRFU and the Scottish Rugby Union, Welsh Rugby Union's approach to this tournament has always been a little hard to fathom. Uh, and then we have our friends, the Italians, who I think essentially at this stage are probably just doing uh, what they're told for the difficulties that they've had. But he, he was tasked with trying to get more money into this organisation to give it a bigger feel. And he's done it. And um, he has an interesting insight. So we'll, we'll, let, we'll hear more about that a little bit later on. We certainly will. So I think, first off, who the, the, the first thing people probably want to hear are, are the, the South Africans. So we've, we've got the, the Cheetahs coach, who's Rory Duncan, one of their players, Neil Jordan, uh, then you have the C, the, the chief operating officer from the Southern Kings, who's Charles Crew, or I'm not sure I pronounced that quite right. Uh, followed by one of their players, who's CJ Velleman. I'm, I'm, you can probably correct me a little bit on those namings. Yeah, we're all going to have to learn slightly different pronunciations. Um, they, in some ways, were the centre stage. I, I think they were. Uh, I think they were a bit taken aback by the intensity of yesterday. And the fact that they had to just go around probably being asked the same questions over and over again. Um, but there's great interest in them. And I think their sense of excitement comes across. And they have thought about this very deeply. They, it's, it's not a case that they were suddenly told, look, they haven't had a huge amount of time to get used to this idea. But they... I think they're pretty much ready to go. They know it's going to be difficult. But let's hear what they had to say. Rory, 
story. I'm intrigued. When did you guys find out you were swapping hemispheres and uh, coming up north? That that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, a couple of years, a couple of months. Ago. It's, been a, it's been a long day. Uh, no, so that that happened a couple of months ago. Um, when the when um, the, the, before Sanzal made the announcement that they were cutting teams out of Super Rugby, there were obviously rumours going around that um, two teams could potentially be be cut. There was a, um, a gentleman who was involved in South African rugby um, uh, quite a few years ago who gave us a shout and said, listen, there could be an opportunity to, to participate in the uh, Guinness Pro 12. Well, at that stage, it was the Guinness Pro 12. Um, so I uh, picked up the phone and gave Martin a shout. And, and this is where I think Martin needs to, you know, he, he, he was absolutely fantastic. I said, listen, is there an opportunity? Um, what are the possibilities of, of us entering in this competition? And he was very open about it. He said, um, there, there, there is certainly a, a possibility and, and potentially an opportunity. And then the process started from there. Do you get much interest from other South African players looking to have a change of, you know, okay, the travel is still quite a lot, but only, only a couple of hour times or a couple of time zones compared to, you know, effectively traveling around the globe. Are you getting more interest from other players in South Africa? We are, we are. Um, but, you know, we've had a lot of phone calls from 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 agents and and and, and players as well. Funny enough, um, that have uh, that have been asking us to to, to, to obviously come on board. Um, in terms of our contracting season, traditionally our contracting season ran from from one November to thirty first of October. That's obviously changed now. We, we we're now running with um, you know our contracting season will come to end at, uh, come to an end at the end of June. So. Um, in terms of bringing in bringing in players, we, we, we have brought in, in, in a couple of extra players, um, you know, specifically to help out with this overlap between Curry Cup and, 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 and Pro Rugby. But I think from from next uh, from next June, I think that's when you'll see the influx of, of, of a lot of the new guys coming board. It's been something that the, the South African support base has been asking for for years. Um, but, you know, it's something that the players have been asking for for, for for quite some time as well. Everybody wants to know how we can put. How we how we compare to the teams uh, up north? Now they've got an opportunity, and and you know it's, it's it's not just a case of playing the games away. We've obviously got half of our games at home, um, and really looking forward to seeing the teams come and come and uh, play in Bloemfontein at altitude in summer. No. Uh, so no, really looking forward to the guys coming 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 through to Bloemfontein and, and playing on our doorstep. So from a player's point of view, you're not used to playing in. The summer, like oh, well, our guys are going to struggle playing at 30 degrees, but you guys don't play in that summer either, so yeah. it's going to affect you guys too. I think the worst thing for 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 the Bloemfontein boys are, are is coming to to the north and playing in the winter because <laughs> I, I hear the winter's quite quite bad, yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, so yeah, the cold is something we're not used to, so that's going to be an interesting factor to 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 take in. So um, yeah, but. We're excited, so if it's hot, cold, rainy, dry, yeah, we're just going to enjoy the moment and really just push ourselves to, to, to produce good running rugby and um, be very competitive. So you're going to struggle with the fact that when you come to Galway, or we get sideways rain, and you're going to try and play running rugby. <laughs> oh, the wind is quite bad there, so um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. How, how much of a challenge... Is altitude going to be for for our players? That, is that a secret weapon for you guys? <laughs> you know, we we I must be honest. We, we, when the teams come to us, we don't we don't really think about it. I think they think about it more than 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 what we think about it. Um, you know, I've 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 been a player who who played at the coast and then came and played at altitude and there. 
you know, it affects you at, at, at times in the game, but you, you, you kind of get over it. As you get into the game, you, 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 you kind of get over it. So um, it will be a factor. But I don't think it's going to be a, a, a big game changer for the teams that come out of South Africa. So it's not like going to Denver in the NFL. They won't have to have oxygen on the side. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Chief of Chief Operations, you have to get these guys, instead of going south, you have to send them north now and short little mini tours into the into the Pro 14. How, how different is that going to be? Oh Well, I, I think it's going to be quite different. Um, it's going to be easier going forward with a bit more time to prepare. I mean, the, I think the difficulty now has been more lack of preparation and being able to do proper planning. I think going forward... Um, we potentially won't have those issues. Um, so for now, it's about getting the visas in place, um, you know, getting the guys on, everyone on the same flight and getting them on a flight and um, actually getting them to the game. You know, So there's a lot of administrative last-minute matters that you have to attend to. But, um, you know, from a travelling point of view in general and, and you know, taking the travelling and the distance into account and where we're going and the different cities and places we're going to, I don't foresee any hassles, you know, going forward. It's just the, the, the issues or teething problems that we may have now is, is, I think, more as a result of the circumstances than anything else. Excellent. That's, that's the, the voice, the new voices we're going to hear during the season from our... our New teams in the Pro 14 from South Africa, the Toyota Cheetahs, to give their their full names, followed by the Southern Kings. Um, so now we're going to have, from Connacht supporters' point of view, we only had one voice from Connacht, and that was Tiernan O'Halloran, because, of course, Connacht were playing a, in a, a friendly last night over in, in uh, Coventry, playing against Wasps, so all the coaching staff were over there. But, but Tiernan had a few interesting things to say. Yeah, he absolutely did. He was uh, He was very busy. Uh, Willie Rowan popped in, I think, maybe to do a little bit of the TV rotations. Um, we didn't get to see any of them this year because they were upstairs and with a nice view of the pitch and we were downstairs in our very large cavernous room and we didn't see daylight from the minute we went in until we were leaving. Mm. Um, but uh, Tierna was in good form and um, here's what he had to say. Um, yeah, so far so good. Like you know, KK has only been over two weeks now, so it has been a bit different, I suppose. You know, he gave Nige and Jimmy the the two coaches there what I suppose his vision was and how he wanted us to play back in I suppose May or June whenever he met the guys. So um, the lads basically put on their own stamping things and they've been trying to implement his his game plan all summer. So um, since the lads have been back in training, and then KK arrived two weeks ago now and he's been he's been relatively happy where we're going. Um, there was one or two things we needed to clean up. We weren't doing uh, the way he would have liked us to do it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's obviously not ideal getting him in so late, but at the same time, I think we've the lads have all done pretty well. Um, and it's just a really good environment down there at the moment. You know, it's it's just all, everything's very fresh and new and, um, like, you know, it's all, it's all back to square one for everyone now again. Like, guys in the past who had money in the bank and you know they might have thought they could have one or two bad performances and still be in the team you know that's changed now um, and also the guys then that thought they might not stand a chance getting into the team they have every chance now again with a clean slate so it's back to square one for all of us and that just drives competition so um, it's exciting down there you can see there's a great buzz around the place everyone's loving just getting stuck in and training um, and I think that's drove the intensity now which hopefully will, will lead us into a, a big start for the season from being away on the summer tour you miss a couple of weeks anyway um, you're a few weeks later than everyone else and then obviously I had a bit of a clean up my knee as well so I haven't got back into full training yet as well so I have plenty of catching up to do with 
you know that's on me um, that's on me to do that off the field work as well I have to be out there whenever the lads are training now I try to be on the pitch listening and, and making sure that when I do get back on I'm up to speed um, obviously there might be a small I will be a small bit behind when I do get on the pitch but um, I suppose it's trying to reduce that deficit as, as much as I can um, but again it's look I'm, I'm looking forward to working with, with, with him as well and, and you know we have a few new players in as well so it is pretty exciting and it's good but um, I think the, the, inter- the international lads like Kieran and Finney and stuff like they've already Got well, got well up to speed with things. So um, you know, it's not, it's not that hard of a transition, but it's still, you know, we've plenty of work to do in our off time as well to get up to that. With the year with Pat, obviously, it was a bit of disruption with him announcing he was leaving. So um, guys maybe went into the shell a bit, and they just kind of it was more so rather on our terms. I think rather than what Pat wanted us to do, we all were just going through the motions, um, and we didn't, you know, we just felt, you know, there's a new coach coming in, um, and lads weren't really, we weren't really playing for each other at all. We kind of played more as individuals, with lads at different goals, with like a, with summer tours coming up things like that um, so it was disruptive we just didn't the season just didn't go the way we wanted at all so I think that's a good thing now um, even in terms of our strength and conditioning we have two new coaches in there um, new backs coach with Nige and then new head coach as well so it's all changing there um, and it's just it's freshening it all up and I think it's exciting and like I said with competition now it just drives everyone and hopefully that lead us to you know improving all our games as well it'd be nice now as well even personally as a fullback you know I think I probably fell into a bit of a comfort zone as well over the past kind of six or eight months with you know not really having that much competition there but now you know there's lots of guys coming in and lads that are back fit again pushing for position so um, hopefully that'll drive us all on as, as as backs and as a back three unit as well to bigger performances and, and um, hopefully get on to better, higher levels then again yeah it is he is and he's big on he's big on culture and, and um, the community as well you know making it a, a real you know as he says Con it's a special place you know um, you kind of work hard for everything that you get so um, that's something that we've always bought into and we've always agreed with so he's kind of carried on that in terms of what Pat's brought but I suppose his on the field stuff then is um, it is slightly different it's you know he's coming from Chiefs as well which is super rugby pretty expansive um, but I suppose maybe a bit more structured at times as well so um, we'll have, we've, we know we've, we've lots of work to do on the pitch um, so we have changed a lot um, especially like exit strategies things like that they're all a bit different now so that's taken a, a, a bit of getting used to from the lads but I think everyone's bought into it I think that's the main thing when you have a head coach coming in um, you just have to believe in it and trust in, in what they're trying to do I think you saw that with Pat uh, when he came in his first year and we gone, we were a team that used to defend for 60 minutes and kick the ball away a lot to what Pat wanted us to do and have ball retention the first six months when Pat was there we all thought he was crazy and we just didn't think we were good enough to, to do that um, but I think what you saw in the in the second season we actually bought into it we finished very strongly and then obviously we won the Pro 12 after that so it's about buying into that and what they want um, and I think that really that'll set you up strongly to um, for your future then if you can if you can buy into that. We were up in up on Carton House every day just to get the squad together again. Obviously the lads are coming back from the lines and stuff so um there's plenty of lads back in there again, yeah. Uh, how did Bundy get on up there asleep? Yeah good, yeah he fit in well now. Um you know he's that was obviously his first camp now and stuff and so uh he did well you know it, it's tough when you're coming into into the international setup first time I remember my first time for the first four days I was locking myself in my room trying to learn all the plays and calls because there's just so much detail to run out to straight away um, and for Joe you need to know that literally within 24 hours so um, you know you're just trying to get your head around all that there's so many new calls and things and I was okay because obviously I knew all the calls of Connacht but we've all our new calls and plays now at Connacht as well as Ireland so he's got double the work that I had so um, it is a lot but I think he coped himself very well and um, he looked, he looked pretty good in training. He's still obviously he's coming through recovery protocol as well, so he wouldn't have been doing um, as much training as, mm. as he would have liked, I'm sure. But um, you know, he's so far he, was, he enjoyed it anyway, as much as as much as he said about it. One of the changes in goal with the uh, Connacht be strength and conditioning. 
<laughs> it's not different. It's different. He, Kieran Kane said after the simulated game against Munster that uh, the players were finding it a little bit hard. His new S and C regime. Yeah, yeah. No, like um, I think it was it was a lot. It was that last week. Um, I think we came in on a Tuesday or something and a few boys were complaining a bit about uh, being stiff and tired and stuff and uh, probably didn't go down too well with, with KK uh, you know it's, it's pre-season the toughest time of the year for all of us it's something that's um, you know you really push to the limit and you know I suppose the guys that came in um, Dave and Dave came over from the NBA you know and he's really up to speed with a lot of things and then Johnny O'Connor's back who a few of us know as well who's <laughs> Johnny was always a bit of a mad one as well um, so we knew it was going to be tough and you know I, I find it enjoyable um, I know if some of the maybe some of the front rows at times when they're trying to reach their targets can be a bit tough for them but um, you know I think it, you need to get put that work in and make sure you're in peak in peak uh, physical condition for the start of the season because it is a long season you know even at the start now when you look at it there's not much time for breaks or anything before you're into uh, Challenge Cup for this year and even the Pro games things like that so um, you need to be in the peak peak physical condition and we have a, generally a small squad we don't have a massive squad so um it's on us to, to keep fit and, and things like that. So I think that was one thing KK was pushing, just saying, look, this is probably the best you're going to feel all year, realistically. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, when it comes to the Tuesdays and Wednesdays in, in mid-season, you're going to be feeling pretty banged up after games. So uh, he just basically gave a bit of a, a kick up the backside for a few of us. And just what you're saying about uh, international camp, it, it's been said to me that the way Joe Schmidt works is, if you don't understand the play, ask. But don't come off the field and say, "Sorry, I didn't understand what I was supposed to do." Yeah, definitely. No, I think that's that's the big thing. Um, you need to know that detail. Like, you, if you think you're going to wing it up there, it's, it's not going to happen for you. You can't just go through the motions and think you'll get away with it because you'll get found out 100. percent Not not just off Joe, but all uh, Andy Farrell there as well, watching and sawing stuff. So you're always under the spotlight. Um, so I think that's the big thing. But in fairness, like the more senior guys now are always there, willing to help as well. Um, like Jared and Rob have been a big help to me as well in terms of back three play, because um, it is a completely different back three system to what we play at provincial level. So, um, but the lads are always willing to help you out because you need that though. Because if you went in there on your own, trying to do your own thing there, it's not going to work. Um, and Joe will find you out, and that's not where you want to be. You don't want to be the wrong side of him in that situation. And can you bring stuff from that then back down to Connacht? Yeah, you can. Like, like it is a different system, so it's not going to be you're replicating the exact same thing. Um, but you can definitely bring certain aspects of it. Yeah, um, in terms of communication, the way you, the way you communicate as well in the back three and how you share the workload. Um, like in international camp, we probably use our our nine a lot more in the backfield, whereas at Connacht we kind of tend to keep our just our back three back there. Um, so it is different. It does take a bit of adjusting to. Um, but I suppose after the first one or two sessions, you're expected to be like dialed in with all that and make sure it's right. So um, it can be quite tricky to change your mindset, especially in season if you're up in a camp for one or two days to try and change instantly into back into that mindset. Um, but look, that's what you need to challenge yourself on and, and make sure you're at the in the right mindset because you know it's the highest level. If you want to play at the highest level, you need to be able to do those things. So um, it's yeah, I enjoy it. It's challenging. And that was Tiernan Halloran. And, you know, the next person, I suppose, that was of interest to us was Dave Rennie, because having been the head coach in the Chiefs, where KK was his his attack coach, um, you know, I think he got, by the time he got to us, I think he was more or less the last person, he was almost fed up with all the questions about KK. But he, he did have a couple of interesting things to say about him. Yeah, he did. He was um, in pretty good form. I. I think again, I, I, I got the impression this was possibly something he wasn't maybe as as you. I don't know how they do it in Super Rugby or in New Zealand Rugby, but 
I think he was uh, quite glad that we were the last uh, part of the rotation. This was when the, the day was winding down a bit, but um, he still spoke quite uh, passionately and quite forthright in some of his views. JK mentioned the fact that he managed to get here a few days earlier than you did. He's, he's hoping he might have got one up on you for the uh, first game of the season. Yeah, well, I signed 12 months ago and he signed about two, so <laughs> I reckon I'm a few steps ahead. <laughs> so how do you, like, what, what do you expect from from a KK team? He comes down to how much, you know, he's here for a pretty short period of time and how much they'll change compared to what they've played under Pat. And what we know there is that they hung on to a lot of ball and they played a lot of footy. And I'd say KK will probably want to kick a little bit more from an exit point of view. Um, but they'll, they'll still play a attractive brand of footy. Yeah, it just comes down to whether um, he's had enough time to put his sort of stamp on their style of play, you know. And what about yourself? Like you've only just got into the, the Glasgow job. Like is, did you get much of a break? Or is it a change as good as the rest? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Probably a tad fortunate. We signed 12 months ago, so um, that means I've been a big part of the contracting. Um, we've done a lot of planning uh, remotely. Um, Jason and Humps both flew down to Cape Town when we were over there, and we spent a week together there. I've, I've, I came here during one of the bio weeks. I came here when I was over for a laws committee in London. I came across. So, uh, and then we've just every week we've had conference calls and Skype calls normally about 9 o'clock at night in New Zealand because it's morning over here and um, so there's been a huge amount of planning done, it's it's not perfect, we tried a couple of Skypes to the team, it's not, it's not ideal you're looking at a screen, you can't even, can't even tell the players actually looking in a different direction and, so you know, we'll be ready to go next week. Having signed uh, a year ago uh, it was a 12 team league championship, that's what we're supposed to call it and were you surprised when it suddenly got extended and split into two conferences? Yes. <laughs> Were you looking forward to the fact you weren't going to have to travel all the way to South Africa and now you're back doing it again? Yes. <laughs> that was the voice of Dave Rennie and our first opponents. We'll, we'll be hearing more from him in a couple of weeks' time when we take on Glasgow. Now we're going to talk about Munster because Mr Erasmus was getting a lot of pounding from the press, but... Um, we were more interested in what he had to say about Connacht. Yeah, he talked about the scenario game that was, took place last uh, Friday in the sports ground at uh, which season ticket holders could go along to, uh, and I managed to get in. And uh, it was it was a very interesting little session, um, just to understand how they did it. But both sides were doing a fairly long warm up. Uh, Connacht were on the back pitch, and Munster, the guests, were on the main pitch, uh, and then. They started scenario plays, uh, scrum drills, line-out drills, attacking drills, under the supervision of the coaches and with the analysis cameras in place. Uh, that went on for about 40 minutes, quite intense because it was sort of non-stop. Mm. And um, John Lacey, international referee, was there going through, I think, maybe some of the new laws, which is something we'll probably have to talk about in more depth late on a, on a different podcast. Um, so he was talking to them about that and they were looking at things and then they basically played a 40 minute game 20 minutes each half and mm. uh, if anybody's interested in the score Connacht won 5-0 um, <laughs> scored one try but what what was interesting about that was players were coming and going it was a bit like watching NFL because it was players running on and running off 
And it started off with a situation, if you were attacking in the Munster 22 and you made a mistake, knocked the ball on, you then ran back up to your own 22 to have the defensive scrum. Right. So um, it did look a bit odd, but I think... Well, let's listen to what Razi Erasmus said, because he'd never come across this before. This was... uh, uh, KK's plan, he came up with the idea and uh, he seemed quite taken with it. Yeah, I must say it was a great suggestion by uh, KK, I think they call him. Uh, we were going to, we had a, a preseason game planned uh, and we were always wondering should we play one or two. Last season we did play two and, and we were kind of wondering one or two this season because I felt that one is maybe enough, uh, but then the one game got cancelled. And then Connacht uh, said that they keen, and, and we actually played only 40 minutes. But before the 40 minutes, we had like scenarios. So we just forwards just lineouts against one another, scrums against one another, backlines running against one another. Then we played scenarios like scrum for you, but then full contact. So um, I was a really nice idea which you brought in, and, and I wouldn't say I was skeptical about it, but I was wondering how this will work out. And then I was didn't pick up injury in the whole session because it was so controlled but it was physical enough and, and yeah we, we saw what we wanted to see so uh, um, yeah something I learned there again I think that's a great way to start a preseason when you warm up like scrums together and line us together and backs together and then uh, okay, we're going to play scenarios uh, there's not a lot of daytime so it, walking to a scrum is jogging to the scrum we have in here we're not kicking for poles we're kicking for Tasha I actually think you almost get more ball in play in scenarios like that but nice and controlled you know there's not guys fired up in the change room but they're still you know, it's funny when two packs are scrumming against one another and, and there's, there's 16 forwards and six of you guys are not scrumming or eight is not scrumming and they are cheering the two packs on. Because it, was, it was a nice part. It was a nice part. I will definitely try and do that again. Okay, that was the voice of Razi Erasmus and his impression of the uh, innovations that KK brought to him. And we also have a, something from CJ Stander. Yeah, very engaging um CJ Stander. Worth a listen. So with the coming back from the Lions, which is a hugely intense period, like coming back to a mundane level of, of Pro 14, how, how difficult is it to get yourself back up for that? I'm just excited again to uh, just to be back. You know, I, uh, it's funny, the Lions was exhausting. It was, it was a long tour, and it was, but it was exciting. But then uh, when I got the break now, after three weeks, I was ready to go again. I just want to put the boots on and uh, start playing. So I uh, went to back to my old school. I coached them a bit, so I started running in my boots. And I, was, I almost wanted to come back, just cut the vacation short, and just start playing and training because you miss it. Uh, we do it for fun, and, uh, and we get paid to do it, so it's an even better job. I think it brings a different... Uh, Different vibe to the, to the competition. You know, they play a different type of game, and um, I normally uh, my family in laws from from Bluefontein, so I go for the holidays there for two weeks. So uh, it's, I would have said that that's a team I would support normally when I go back to South Africa, but now I can't because we're going to play against them. But uh, <laughs> um, yes, look, yeah, I've got like, I gave it away to some of my family. I gave my brother almost half of it. So uh, it's uh, there's not a lot of uh, people walking around with Lions gear in uh, South Africa, but uh, I kept all my jerseys because they're special. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna just I think there's a few boys at training asked me already for just a jumper or something, so uh, try to stash them up. But I keep the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because uh, Donna, yeah, Donna Ryan was and uh, his dad. 
came over to the farm for two weeks. He brought my dad. He brought a tip jersey uh, to the farm. So I was in that over the summer. Someone took a picture. So uh, I just <laughs> tried to fit it on. I it fits me. So uh, I, in fairness, I met a couple in uh, Mauritius from Waterford, and they were very excited. They cut their honeymoon short to come back for this. So. Hopefully they get. Uh, I'm sure Jack is. is he's excited. I saw him in the Irish camp. He was excited. He's, uh, he's. He says he's been to all the games. I don't trust him, but uh, <laughs> anyway. Okay, that was um, the very engaging CJ Stander, and now we move on to some more guys who Connacht fans will will recognise and know in in. Um, Bernard Jackman, who's taken over as coach of the Dragons, and, and an ex-Connacht coach in Michael Bradley, who's taken over at Zebra. And he has some news about a young Galway player who's just joined Zebra, having come back up from the, the Southern Hemisphere. Let's hear what he had to say. Michael, I just wanted to actually start by asking about uh, Kieran Gaffney. He's in about eight, ten days now at this stage. I, I, would have, I would have seen Kieran play when he was uh, younger in the development squads coming through. So I know he's a very good uh, natural uh, footballer, so he could football hurling, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so uh, and he's big and strong, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So comes from a good rugby family or a good sports family. So <laughs> the match, the match day experience is is, is an interesting. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Connacht. I mean, yeah. like <clears throat> you got to get people coming in to support. So and you don't. Winning is great, but it just you can't guarantee it. No. But you can guarantee a good match day experience, a good event, build it on family, friends coming, enjoying. Uh, business relationships get stronger. The facility gets uh, uh, it looks better. It's a nice place to go to. Atmosphere is 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 good. If you attach all those things then to a side that begins to win, or as Tommy said, is is, is performing well maybe gets a win and gets more consistent at home it's just there's the blueprint it just builds and builds and builds so. and a qu- quality of play like the you know I used to go to Connacht when we had you know I, I was the guy who brought the dog and yeah. could bring her and whereas now you I remember you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the dog yeah but now you can't get into the ground because the place is, is packed it's and fantastic it's, not, it's it? not just winning it was a style of play that goes with it as well yeah, like people yeah. want to be excited about what they're seeing on the field yeah. and but, it, but you go back to those days yeah and you talk like if you want to be you talk about refereeing decisions you talk mm-hmm. about touchline oh, yeah. decisions yeah, yeah. you talk about one decision winning a match so if you have the crowd there on your side Working the touch judge, working the referee, it all helps the team. Yeah. You know? So when Zebra currently play, that's not uh, we, we don't have that advantage even at, at home. Yeah. So we have to get that advantage, build on that advantage, and, and then create momentum. That's all it is. Is the situation in, in France very much when you're on top everybody's behind you and if it starts to go a little bit downhill you're very much left on your own yeah exactly I think what happened with us I don't speak about what happened in Grenoble was our um, our sugar daddy passed away um, in March so he was putting X amount of money in um, a year and that gave everybody security uh, players, agents other sponsors um, and then so he was say for example he was putting a million a year in um, the club felt that wasn't a big deal we could we could absorb that that uh, that loss, but the reality was the fact that I had a confidence of other sponsors meant we had a net loss of, of 3.4 million, um, and then we had to ask the players to take a pay cut, staff to pay, take a pay cut, and it just went 
you know, things in France exactly. When things started sliding in France, it's very hard to stop it because they're so it's so emotional. Um, it's just a different culture, which is great. I, I you know, I, I enjoy going in somewhere and find out about people um, and seeing how they live and see what their expectations are. But to be head of an organisation that is in free fall and not not have enough calm people in there to see how you can stop that um, it was a great experience but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it again to be honest <laughs> I'd prefer to uh, be in an environment where we have trust in, in what we're about and um, we can communicate and look each other in the eye and, and uh, say listen we're not we're not where we want to be but to do this if we do this we'll get there and, and have that open frank discussions whereas in France that doesn't always happen And uh, but it was great you know it's a highly pressurised environment I went there when we were in Pro D2 um, so I felt you know as part of, of making them uh, a top 14 club and you know when we had stability we, we you know we were we were fine but when when we when we lost that stability it, uh, it was pretty difficult to keep everybody on the same page because there's so much it's not like in Ireland or, or Wales where you don't really want to leave your region you know, you want or your province. You want to play for them. Whereas in France, it's very transient, so it's very easy to pack up. Your, everyone rents houses. They'll, they'll rent a van. They'll pack up and they'll move up the road. You know, um, so we only had twenty, just under twenty-five percent of our players were actually came through the Grenoble system or from our region. So for them, if Grenoble goes in, goes uh, goes into, gets into trouble financially or, or in terms of results, it's easy for them to pack up and go go down south down to the sea, and that's. I want to be. I want to be all in on something. Uh, I want people who buy into the whole project. And if it's going badly for a while, well, then we all knuckle down and we, we work out. Whereas probably in France, there's just so many options to, to move. Whether it's top 14, Pro D2, some fellow one clubs with bigger budgets than the Dragons, um, and it's just easy to to not really, I suppose, uh, really connect with what you represent. Um, and I feel that's that's important for for any organisation, but for professional sports people. You know, it's, it's hugely important because you're going to have to put your body on the line, not just on a Saturday, but uh, on a Tuesday, as, as we saw yesterday. Yeah. What what I like about Welsh rugby is that parochialism, you know, which can be a real positive. It was probably a negative in terms of how the Dragons, the Newport Grand Dragons, were, were developed because obviously the Valley's clubs, you know, were massive rivals of the of the townies in, in Newport, and um, that that was a weakness. But if you look at Munster, you know, Young Munster and Shannon and Gary Owen uh, used. And the core clubs used to knock heads off each other, but they were able to unite for for Munster, and that's what we need to do now. But to do that, we need to be really open, transparent. So all our training sessions are are open. So we're inviting fans to come up, stuff putting stuff on Twitter for me. You know, I don't think there's any secrets. I know a lot of other coaches don't really do it, but um, if someone's doing something uh, in a game, you know, we'll spot that on a Monday, and and we'll be able to implement it. So seeing us train for other coaches doesn't give away anything away but it does give coaches in our region or hopefully little little insights that maybe they can add into into their sessions with the kids um, and for us I don't think we're good enough to be standoffish or or reclusive or, or closed and I hope when we are good enough we won't be either because I just don't think it's a good way to be I think as people um, we need to be honest, transparent if, people, if fans can come up and watch us train and see us putting the effort in they're more likely to want to follow us and they'll understand that we're putting the, the hard yards in to get better and represent the region properly um, but if they if they just come and watch us play and we have an off day well then they won't they won't see the hard work that's gone in so um, I'm not saying we want to have off days we want to be incredibly consistent but I just think um, we need to get out there and show people that as a region we've changed um, it's a fresh start and um, I, think, I believe people follow people so you know for um for people from you know fans of of, of Corey Club Ponty, you know they should be proud to see him, 
you know, playing for the Dragons on, on a Saturday and want to go and support him. And that's likewise for all the players who've come come to our regional regional clubs. Okay, that was the voice of um, Bernard Jackman, and prior to that, there was um, ex Connacht coach Michael Bradley, who are new coaches to the Pro 14 this year. And another new coach coming in is is the coach who probably impressed me most because he was basically the last person we had during the day. But the the intensity and the, the excitement that he brought to his you know his chat to us and and how he referenced Connacht quite a lot um, is the new Edinburgh coach Richard Cockrell. Yeah, this was. Uh... This was intensity uh, in a chair. He was almost, uh, I was almost expecting him at one stage to, to sort of get up and start doing some physical, uh, physical training. He was, he was pumped. And again, you feel this is probably what Edinburgh need. Mm. Uh, I suspect if it was an off-the-record chat, the, um, some of the language would have been a bit fruity because uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty obvious he's not very impressed with what he's found there particularly I think in regard to the quality of the players and maybe the attitude of some of them yeah so listen out listen out for, listen out for the um the bit where, where he talks about how Pat Lamb took some a lot of misfits and won a league with them <laughs> uh no but that that that's his that's his that's his perception um and again I think we can safely say I don't know if Ed, how Edinburgh are going to do this season. We 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 don't know, but I think they won't uh, they won't lack for passion. They certainly won't. Here's Richard Cockrell. I, I know how hard you have to work to win something, mm. and that's and that's you know Glasgow. You know the guys that have come from Glasgow know what it looks like to win something. Yeah. Yeah, the guys at Connaught, they know, you know, they know what it's like to win something, and then it's trying to keep doing it. You know, Connaught have won it, and I don't know where did they finish last year. Like it's hard to keep yeah, it going, isn't it? It's absolutely. not an easy. And then you've got to try and do that year on year, and, it, and it's a very difficult thing to do, especially with limited budgets that certainly Connaught and suddenly Edinburgh have. So for me, we've got a good group of players. I've, I think there's, they've not reached anywhere near their potential as a group, and there's a lot of very good, still very young players in that group even the senior ones are only in their mid-twenties so they need to you know they're, they're starting to learn what it's how hard you're going to have to work and now the challenge is to do that for not eight weeks of pre-season but then the ninth week and tenth week and the 35th week that's that's going to be the, the key um, so we'll see that's the theory the reality might be something different but but that's the challenge for us because if Glasgow can do what they've done in the last seven years, why can't Edinburgh? If Connaught can win the competition, why can't Edinburgh? Um, so there's no reason if, if Exeter Chiefs can get promoted six years ago and now be champions of England. It's possible, isn't it, with the right people and the right environment and the, and all the things that go with that. So no, I'm, I'm delighted to be doing the job that I'm doing and I'm going to try and make it, make it work. For me, earning some respect in the competition... You know, everybody respects Connaught because of what they've done. Mm. Previous to that, probably they'd expect to go to Connaught and win. Well, everybody expects to come to Edinburgh and win. So we've got to get that earn the right to have some respect from the competition. Because um, now everybody, everybody goes to Galway knows that it's going to be sold out and it's going to be they're going to be met with a ferocious team and it's going to be a bloody difficult afternoon. I'm not sure everybody thinks that if you you know if you come to to my side or to Murrayfield. So we've got to earn the respect. And get some credibility within the competition and be consistent every week. For me, that's it because if we can do, do those three things, we'll give ourselves an opportunity to be 
competitive every week and try and win. I can't give you the headlines of Cockrell says we're going to be top three um, or in the playoffs because the reality is we probably won't be. But when Connaught started that season, they probably didn't think they'd be champions, did they? And as it happened and as it unfolded, you start to get belief and you start to go, actually, there's something that might be happening here. And you, you start to build that. So that's exactly where we're at. I've no idea where we'll end up because I'm probably not going to be able to do it. But I knew that when I took the job. So you have to work with it there's some bloody good players in that in that team I, I, I genuinely don't think they know how good they can be yet and then it's my job to try and get that out of them you know, how did Pat Lamb get all those misfits at Connaught to play like that to win the competition that, that's, that's, the, that's the that's the thing about coaching and leadership isn't it how do you get those players that have never believed to believe Okay, that's it from the the Pro 14 launch. We, we've got a game coming up this weekend. I'm going to try my best to get this podcast out tomorrow, um, which is the Friday before the game. And we've got Pat Lamb coming back. Yeah, this has almost got a little bit uh, unnoticed. There's been so much going on, but uh, I, I would assume Bristol will be rolling into town tomorrow. They have been very busy. A uh, lot of stuff on social media. Seems to be a real buzz around what used to be a very big club uh, long back in the early 70s has been in the doldrums a bit but this this injection of Pat Lamb players coming in and you know obviously relegated last season um, you have to feel they're going to charge through the, the championship I think if if they don't that will be a, a story to uh, to talk about but they're here on Saturday for what is I suspect their last warm-up game before the season starts. It's certainly Connacht's. Mm-hmm. And um, if you if you're around Galway on Saturday, I'm I'm sure there are tickets available. Come on up and have a look because this will be played as a straightforward 80-minute game. There might be more substitutions than normal, um, but it'll be it's pretty important for the players. It's a, it's an opportunity, you know, two new coaches. In their in their respective teams, so players have to show. It's all right showing it on the tr- on in the training ground, but you have to show it on the pitch in games. You have to uh, be accurate and get your plays away. And if you're better at doing that than the other guy, you're going to get selected for the first big game of the season. Yeah, indeed, which comes up the following weekend. So we'll be looking to have a a podcast before that, and um, we'll have. Dave Finn is going to be around. I was chatting to him today, so he's going to be around on Saturday. And we'll also hear the, the thoughts of Lindy McKenzie, who's been keeping a close eye on all the goings-on over the, the summer as we get ready for the new season. So this podcast will, with a bit of luck, be out on the Friday or maybe the Saturday morning before the game. And then we'll record another one in preparation for um, the start of the season. So it's all exciting times again, William. Yeah, it's come round fairly quickly. Um, judging by the the rain beating off my window, we're in the middle of the rugby season. It looks like <laughs> December out there. I have to sort of remind myself that it's still August. Um, but it's 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 an inter- it, Look, this is going to be a really interesting season for Connacht. It's going to be an interesting season for the Pro Fourteen. Um, have sit down, have a look at the fixture list. These games come round. You know, the, the out of the first six games, Connacht are uh, they're going to be away for three, home for three. 
Um, we're going to know an awful lot about where we're going by the time we the referee blows for full time in Ravenhill on the sixth of October. But there's still an awful lot of games. There's 27 games to play. Yeah. And um, a lot of rugby. A lot of rugby, and they did well last night for most of the game, and then unfortunately let in a load of tries in the last ten or fifteen minutes. But apparently, they were the Wasps fans were quite impressed with their handling skills, so it's great to see our handling skills have come back. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold my judgment on that till I see what happens on Saturday. Indeed, it's our only friendlies; they don't really matter. It's just, just you know, it it'll be interesting to see how it goes and and see what KK is going to bring to us and and how we can kick on from a disappointing season that we had last season so we'll we'll talk again soon thanks very much William good night Alan talk to you soon take it easy